Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gospel, the good news which comes through him. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Thank you, Father, for family, for friends. Thank you, Lord, for your word and what it does to us and for us. Thank you that you're constantly shaping us and changing us, molding us into the individual that you desire us to be, like your son. Thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord, as I go through your word today. Um, help me, Lord, to expound it. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would just bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let me tell you about my son, Reuben. On a school day, in the morning, it's a struggle for him to get up. All right, okay, so that's, that's most parents, isn't it? So, lol, 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 that's his alarm. No, I'm not joking, that's his alarm. He turns it off. Reuben, it's time to get up. Yeah. Five minutes later, Reuben, get up. I'm up. He drags himself out of the bed, sits on the edge, and then he checks his phone. Reuben, get in the shower. I'm going. Ten minutes later, Reuben, you're going to be late for school. Get down here now. I'm coming. Reuben is in a place that he shouldn't be in. He should be ready for school, but he's not. So that causes him stress, and he's in a place He's in a place that he shouldn't be in. Let me also tell you about a story I heard about a man in Guyana. This man who came from his village, went into another village and robbed someone. Now the men in that village came out after him with their machetes. And my man started running and he ran and he ran to the police station and he said, it was me, I did it, I did it. You arrest me. Because the men of that city, they would have killed him. And you see, he's, he's in a place where he shouldn't be. That man, all he's got in his life now is drama. And I'm like that too. I find myself in a place where I shouldn't be. And it's just a whole heap of drama. I mean, this is... This is, not, this, is like one, this is like one. Like one day my mum phoned me and told me something about Lisa. Not Lisa that we know, a different Lisa. And I thought she was talking about Lisa who my brother used to date. So I started saying, what, Mark's Lisa? Mark's my brother. No, my mum said, Lisa at church. I was like, oh. Is Mark going back out with that girl again, said mum. I said, no, I meant as in the girl he used to go out with. My mom said, are you trying to cover your back? I was like, no, 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 no. I found myself in a place that I shouldn't have been. You know what I mean? It was drama. 
As Christians, we often find ourselves in places where we shouldn't be in. And what happens is it causes us drama. You know the places. You've got them in your mind right now. Some places are places of sin, and other places are like, you know that you shouldn't go there. So, let's see what the Bible has to say about this. Please turn with me to Genesis 34. And as you're turning there, this is a time about where Jacob has just deceived Esau for another time. And this time, he does it by not going with Esau to a place called Seir, which is southwest of the Dead Sea. Instead, he goes to a place called Shechem, which is north of the Dead Sea. And at this time, God is dealing with Jacob. God has told him to return to a place called Bethel. Bethel is where Jacob first met God, where he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on that place. But instead of going to Bethel, where is he? He's in Shechem. So Jacob is in a place that he shouldn't be in. So let's have a look at the passages and see what happens. Let's read verses 1 to 4. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and, he, and humiliated her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamar, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. In these verses, we see something terrible happen. Dinah is Leah's daughter and has gone out to, to see the other women of the land. And Shechem, Prince Shechem, has clocked her. He wants her. He's the prince of the land, and so he can get whatever he wants. And so he takes her, has sex with her, and in doing that, he humiliates her. Now, in, in some translations or in some places, it says that it's either he raped her or what he did was, um, basically, he had sex before marriage with her. But either way, it was, it's just a total humiliation. It's something that should never be done. But it's, it's a little bit weird in that Shechem still loves her. He didn't hate her. Instead, he wanted her to be his wife. Poor Dinah. She's, she's paying for the consequences of Jacob being in a place that he shouldn't have been in. She's hurt. She's humiliated. And this is what happens when we're, we're in the wrong place. It can cause those around us to get hurt to feel betrayed, to feel not cared for, and to feel alone. It's like a classic scenario. Boy meets girl, girl likes boy, boy holds hands, girl responds, and they say, they say nothing will happen. Boy kisses girl, girl kisses back. They say nothing will happen, and then they have sex. And then in nine months, in some cases, it's drama, isn't it? They're in a position where they don't want to be. They've got a baby, 
that they weren't necessarily expecting at this moment in time. So I can, you know, my mom can relate to that. Before I was born, my biological, my biological father left her because they were in a place where they, they shouldn't have been. So what does Jacob do when he hears of Dinah being humiliated? Let's look at verses 5 to 7. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled that is, Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah. But his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it. And the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with, his, with Jacob's daughter for such a thing must not be done. So we see that the news comes to Jacob of this terrible thing that's happened to, to Dinah, and what does he do? He does nothing. This is shocking. This is your daughter, Jacob. He could have run into the fields where his sons were, got them, and dealt with this man named Shechem. How dare he? But what does Jacob do? He does nothing. I got to admit, as I was reading this beforehand, I got vexed. I thought to myself, no way. I couldn't believe it. I quickly um, read ahead, thinking maybe Jacob might do something. And he does. But what he does makes me vex even more. But we'll, we'll get there later. And so Jacob did nothing. And I, I wonder if it was because Dinah was the daughter of Leah, his first wife. You remember the story how Jacob fell in love with Rachel and he wanted to marry her. And Laban, her, her dad, said he had to work seven years for her. And the seven years went like that. He was happy to work for those, those seven years. Then there was a wedding and Jacob was a happy man on his wedding night. But in the morning when he wakes up, he sees that it's, it's Leah, it's not Rachel. He's vexed. He goes to Laban, why have, you, why have you done this? And Laban explains, you know what, the firstborn must be married off first in his culture. And that he could, and if Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, he had to work another seven years. And so Jacob, Jacob worked another seven years. And this time he marries Rachel. And so this could be the reason, probably, why he didn't really care for Dinah. Because she was from Leah. He didn't care about her because he cared about Rachel more. So now Hamor, in verse 6, Shechem's dad goes to speak with Jacob. And again, Jacob doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything to him. He doesn't rough him up. He doesn't tell Hamor about himself. He doesn't tell him about how he raised his son bad. Nothing which is in contrast to when his sons come back from the field, they're vexed. This is a madness. This should never have happened to our sister. But Shechem is in love with her and wants to marry her. Let's look at verses 8 to 12. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, 
The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and make our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and give as you will and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. Hamor asks for Dinah for his son Shechem. He offers Jacob a chance to, to prosper in the city where among the people of Shechem, to live among them. And they can have Israel's daughters and Israel can have Shechem's daughters. And we see that the son is willing to pay anything for her. So we see that Jacob being in the wrong place is tempted into a relationship that should never happen. It should never happen because that was not part of God's plan. Him dwelling in Shechem was not God's plan. The children of Israel marrying into another tribe was not God's plan. So we see that being in the wrong place can tempt you back into the world and the temptations that the world offers. In Matthew 13, it talks about the parable of the sower and the seed falling on different grounds, which are different types of heart condition. In 22, verse 22, it says, as for, the, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So we see that what looks good from the world would actually end up killing us. What looks good from Shechem could end up destroying the plans of God. And why would we want to go back to the, into the world? James 1, 14 to 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth brings forth death we are tempted by our own desire we have a desire but it's it's not for the Lord because the world draws us like the story of the prodigal sons where the younger son left the security of the father to live in the world and the world was great for a while but what did it offer him nothing but emptiness and headache The Bible says the pleasure of sin is only for a season. And this is why we need to be in our word, renewing our mind. We need to be in our word daily. Paul tells Timothy about being a good soldier. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. And it's true, when the men go... um, go overseas and and they're abroad and they're fighting, they're not getting into no civilian business. They're there on mission for a reason. And so we need to be disciplined. We need to recognize that it's a real war that we're in. And there's a real enemy who who wants us to fail in following God. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking who he may devour.
really and truly, with the images that we have of the soldier, we can't take this for joke. It's a serious battle that we're in. And sometimes we do, I do, we take it lightly. And it's amazing that God's grace is always there. But it's not for us to take it for granted. I think us in the West, we have it so easy. We do, don't we? We can come here on Sunday, easy. Meet up in community group, easy. No, no one tell me that they can't make community group or Sunday. Prayer meeting, easy. But there's other people like in North Korea, China, it's a struggle for them. Let's make good use of the time that we have. For what we're, where we're at and what we have, oh my gosh. We should, you know what? We should be able to reel off a book or something, at least, of the Bible. We've got time. But it's what we do with our time. It's how we spend it. So, we see that Haman and Shechem are willing to pay for Dinah. But the sons of Jacob are not having it. Let's look at verses 13 to 19. So the sons of Jacob answered Shechem, his father, Hamor, deceitfully. And you know where that deceit comes from. It comes from Jacob. They're watching him all the time. And it's true. <laughs> if you're a dad... And your son's watching you. He's watching everything. He's not just watching the good stuff. He's watching the bad stuff too. So when they see that he's deceitful to, to Esau, you know what? It's quite easy for them to do the same thing, isn't it? Got a little confession to make. I like prolines and cream ice cream, man. It's so nice. So I will try and sneak one out. And then one day I saw my son do exactly the same. I was thinking, oh no. What am I doing? Yeah, he sees the stuff that I he sees some stuff that I do, but he also takes he takes the bad stuff as well as the good stuff. You know what I mean? And so we need to be careful. We need to be I'm not saying we're perfect, we're not. But we've got to we've got to strive to do the right thing. So the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. So Jacob's sons, they're not playing. They determined that these guys should not be let off. 
and they are looking for, they're looking for revenge. So they take off, they, so they take the offer of Hamor and Shechem, but on one condition, and that all the, all the men in Shechem are circumcised. And at their age, circumcision is no joke. And it was probably a rush job. So that made it worse. And every man's, yeah. <laughs> and you got to ask yourself, are you serious? Oh, man. But Shechem is, he's so in love with Dinah. He's willing to do anything. Oh, my days. I remember those days. So, let's look at verses 20 to 24. Now, he, he, that is Shechem, was the most honored in all his father's house. So, Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters and wives, and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us, to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised, as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamar, and his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised, all who went out of the city or out of the gate of his city. So these people, they're just as deceptive. You know I mean, they're thinking, oh, if we do this thing, really and truly, when we integrate, everything that they have is going to be ours. And so they're just as bad. And so Hamor and Shechem, yep, they tell the leaders, they agree despite the sacrifice that's involved. It's because they know, as I said, that they wanted to, they're going to get all these possessions. But what the men of Shechem didn't count on was the deceitfulness of Jacob's sons. Let's look at um, verses 25 to 29. On the third day, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob... Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords, came against the city while it felt secure, and killed all the males. You see, this, it had to be bad, didn't it? It had to be a rush job, and they must have been sore. It's the third day. They must have been crying on the first day. Yeah, I mean, barling on the second day. The third day, they're just calming down. Yeah, I mean? And so it was just, it was bad. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and donkeys and whatever was in the city, in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. They took everything. There was no surprise attack needed. The man's in pain. Let's just take everything. And they did. Everything. There wasn't nothing left. And so in verses 30 to 31, then Jacob said to Simeon, and this is the time when Jacob's saying something. This is the first time he's opened his mouth since his daughter's rape. And this is the thing that got me vexed. 
You know what I mean? He should have done something, and he didn't. He just held his silence. Why? Because he's thinking, hmm, I could profit from this. You know what I mean? And it's just terrible. So then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And they're right. They're absolutely right. They did, they did the righteous thing. It may not seem like it, but it's, they did the right thing. And in a sense of the fact is this, that God did not want him in that place. God didn't want Jacob joining with another tribe. Otherwise, it would, have, it would have diluted the line of the offspring that was going to come out of that, out of their line. So they, in a sense, acted, responded rightly, sort of, but they, 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 they responded where Jacob didn't. You can come back to me on that later. So, so at this bit, Jacob doesn't care that Dinah is saved or that their enemy is defeated. What he cares about is what the surrounding nations will think about him. And this is what happens when we are in a place that we shouldn't be. We care more about our reputation. We care more about for the things of the world than our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do we do this? I know that I'm guilty of not doing this sometimes. I know before there was community group in my house, there used to be women's meeting. And when women's meeting done, guess what? It was time for you to go. You know what I mean? I made my presence felt it was time to go. The Lord has really softened me, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> it got bad one day. I came home and there, there, was, there was someone in the house. They were at the computer. My wife was in the next room. And I looked at them and I said, what are you doing there? You need to go home. They started to cry. All right, look, I felt bad. I felt bad for the way that I said it. I didn't feel bad for what I said. They did need to go home. It was late. They shouldn't be here. They should be in their yard. Now, they haven't come to my house back again, so I don't know. But the Lord is softening me, serious, honestly. Praise God. If I don't see no one at community group, it's all right. So Jacob becomes fearful as he did when he was running from Esau. Fearful that he and his household would be killed by the surrounding nations. And this is what happens when you're in a place that you shouldn't be in. It causes you to lose sight of what is important to God. It causes you to fear what man can do rather than what God can do. It causes you to lose sight of God, of who he is. 
But it's amazing. Let's look at the next set of verses, um, 35, 1 to 4. These are our last verses. And we see that it's the grace of God. God said to Jacob, look at that. God said. He didn't have to. He didn't come, didn't need to say anything to him, but he did. God said to Jacob, arise. And that arise is a command. As in, get up. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make an altar there. So I, I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. Here we see God command Jacob to go up to, to Bethel. He calls him out of Shechem and says, go to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. He commands him to go and live there, to live in the house of God. And this is what we as Christians are to do, to live in God's house. God's house is where God dwells. It is his temple. The Bible says we are the temple of God. So from the Garden of Eden, God has always had a place to dwell in. At the time of Moses, it was the tabernacle. And then at the time of kings, it was the temple. And when Jesus came, he was called Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us. So the temple of God was in and among the people when Jesus came. And now we are Christians and we are in Jesus. We're in Christ. And because we're in Christ, we are the temple of God. God has called us to, to live there among the people in fellowship. So, and so Jacob, in response, tells his household and all who were with him to put away their foreign gods. And this is what we are called to do. We are, we are to identify that thing which has caused us to be in a place that we shouldn't. We are to bury it, to turn away from it and serve the living God. We are to repent of our sins, for God is grieved when we sin. As it says in Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But we are to confess our sins, as it says in 1 John 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We who are Christians here today, we were once in a place that we shouldn't be. We were once in the wrong place. But God sent his son Jesus who took our place. He became sin. He clothed himself in our sin and he gave us his righteousness. So that when we stand before God, all that God sees is Jesus' righteousness. He doesn't see my filthy works. He doesn't see Neil's sin. He sees Jesus. To the non-Christian, you are in a hopeless place. You are in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place in your life right now. There is no way out for you. 
There is no work that you could possibly do to escape what is coming. At the end of your life, all that you have waiting for you is a certain and definite terror, a place of unbearable pain created by God. And this place exists because God is angry with you. Why? Because your thoughts and actions for, are for your own sinful desires. Yet in his anger, God offers, offers you a lifeline. He offers you Jesus Christ. And may I encourage you to take hold of him. Believe in him today. Be saved. Turn from your godless life. Turn to Christ where there is hope, love, and security. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you that he took our place. Thank you, Lord, that that he took the wrath that I deserved, that we deserved. Lord, you didn't have to, but you did. And that still blows my mind today. By your grace, you saved us. It's just like the children of Israel. You didn't have to save them, but you did. And then you gave them laws so that they could worship you, so that they could glorify you. And Lord, we just want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that, that we look to him and we see your goodness and we recognize that we are wretched and that we need you constantly in our lives. Lord, all we do is we turn to you and say, what can we do? Help us, Lord, to, to be more like your son. Help us, Lord, to serve you, to stay away from that place that would so easily take us away from you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That before there was, there was, I had no hope. But you being, you being you, you being introduced to, uh, me being introduced to you, I now have a hope. I thank you so much, Lord. Amen.